together. Father God, what a beautiful day. Thank you for life and strength and good health. Heaven's many blessings, oh God. Thank you for this oh so great salvation. Let our hearts rejoice in thy presence, my God. We give you praise, Jesus. We give you thanks and glory and honor. A name above every name. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Everybody said praise the Lord. All right. We love you. We're glad you're here. If you have a Bible. Thank you, Jesus. Our God is a good and great and wonderful God. And in a very warring world, a troublesome time, it is so wonderful to be in the church and have serenity and stability. And uh, many people, the Bible teaches that hearts are going to fail them for fear of looking after the things that are coming upon this earth and the powers of the heavens being shaken. But you can rejoice that you have the salvation of God, know the truth of God, and that you know what your final destination is going to be. And uh, what did one writer say? Uh, my heart is fixed. My heart is set. It's locked in on heaven, the things of God. All right, I'm turning to the 15th chapter of the book of Acts. Now, when we went over with the chart, some of the things that, uh, that we went over, I'm going to try to see if we can deal with a little bit of that. In the 15th chapter of Acts, this is where it's recorded the first uh, ministerial meeting. Preachers came together. And here in this 15th chapter, I would like to begin with verse 3. And being brought on their way by the church, they passed through Phoenicia and Samaria, declaring the conversion of the Gentiles. And they caused great joy unto all the brethren. And when they were come to Jerusalem, they were received of the church and of the apostles and elders. And they declared all things that God had done with them. Everybody said, praise the Lord. All right, you may be seated. The Lord bless you. want to deal for a little while this morning, teach for a little while on this conversion of the Gentiles or the conversion of the rest of the world. If you're not Jewish, then you're Gentile. And uh, that pretty much designated people in the category of being uh, alien from the things of God, foreign from the things of God and how that uh, they did not know God nor his salvation. They were considered barbarians, unbelievers. And yet, God's Holy Spirit, according to John 3.16 and other verses, he so loved the world. So God was determined not to be boxed in or limited to just one small group of people. Now, there has to be a beginning and that's what he did. He chose the, the fewest and the least to begin with. He did not choose the Jewish because they were great or mighty. Quite the opposite. He chose them because they were the least and the smallest. And he began to deal with them as you read in the Old Testament. And then we are now given a tremendous insight 
how that, in teaching to the church, uh, it was Stevens that seemed to be quite a historian, and he began to bring it up, how that they came out of Egypt, and how that Moses was the deliverer that God had chosen, and he did it, he brought them out, the Bible said, with a high arm, and I'm quite sure you realize that that wasn't talking about a physical arm, and you've got to learn the, the terminology of the scripture and the way that uh, it's used to depict and, and to get things across to us. God would do things in a vision as he did to the apostle Peter. And here Peter is at a nice seaside uh, residence. I guess he was trying to enjoy a day or two off. And he decides he was getting ready for to have something to eat, so he decided to go up to the rooftop and to pray as it was getting close to supper time or dinner time. And uh, as he went up there to pray, the Bible said he fell into a trance and that God gave him a vision. And there was a sheet let down from heaven, four corners of it, and that he saw all manner of beasts and animals, uh, fowls of the air, on this sheet, and uh, he heard the voice of God tell him, Arise, Peter, slay and eat. And Peter said, Not so, Lord. I don't do Burger King and McDonald's. And Oh, wait a minute. No, no. He said, My bad. He said, he said I, uh, I, Nothing common or unclean has ever entered my mouth. Got that, huh? Okay. All right. Just trying to help your health. That's all. So, uh, the Lord said, what I've cleansed, call not thou common. And so uh, he got Peter's attention big time. He did it three times, and that shows that we're a little slow. So after three shots of this thing, uh, then he had told him that there was uh, some men that had come for him, and the Lord let him know that he had sent them, and that Peter was to go with them, and he was to doubt nothing, and so that's what Peter did. And what had happened is God works on both ends of the line. Is it a little warm? Was it mixed? Okay, we got a mixture there. Well, if you get hot, let me know and we'll turn the air on. So uh, Peter uh, was then leaving with these men because God had worked on the other end of the line, and God does that. He works on both ends of the line. Just as the Apostle Paul, when he was converted, he uh, got knocked to the ground, and God slapped the snot out of him, got his attention, took his eyesight away, and sent him to the street called Straight. And t after he asked, what would you have me do? God said, it'll be told thee what thou must do. That's something our flesh does not like, our natural mind does not like, and our very rebellious world does not like. And so uh, while God was doing that, to the man known as Saul, who became the Apostle Paul, he was also talking to the preacher on the other end of the line and saying, I want you to go to a certain house, a certain street also, and there's somebody there waiting, and uh, I want you to go and pray for him. His name is Saul. And the preacher freaked out, and he said, oh, wait a minute. Wait a minute, wait a minute. I heard a whole lot about this guy. Well, I like that too. You know, I like that he said that I heard a whole lot about this individual because um, some people are sent to spread the gospel. 
But some people think it's their ministry to spread the gossip. So I think that it would be far better for you to become a part of those that spread the gospel. Become a part of something good, something wholesome, something eternal. Okay? And um, there's people that constantly go about and they just talk all the time. Did you hear? Did you hear this? How much better it would be to say, did you hear the gospel? Uh, Have you heard the good news? I don't have any bad news. I don't have anything uh, negative to say to you. I have something good to say to you, something optimistic to tell you, something happy to tell you. Everybody said amen. amen. All right. So God working on both ends of the line was my point, and so he did with the preacher and with Saul, and so he did here with Peter and with a man named Cornelius. And as you know, Cornelius was of the Italian band, And, in other words, he was Gentile. He was not Jewish. Well, Peter, either the Lord told him and it's not recorded, or Peter had a little bit of experience, and he thought ahead, and he said, well, I better better take some witnesses with me. And so he appointed six men that were part of the church that was with him at Joppa and uh, by this seaside resort, and he said, come on, we're going down to a fellow's house. These three men have come to get us, and I feel led of the Lord that we should go down there and uh, do what God would have us to do. And so they went. God told him not to doubt anything, and so I'm believing that they didn't. And they went right on down to uh, Cornelius' house, this man of the Italian band, these Gentiles, and he began to preach unto them the word of the Lord because Cornelius told him, about the angel that had spoken to him and told him to send for him, Peter. And uh, everything was said. He said, I, all, all my kinfolk, my acquaintances, my friends are here, and we're here to hear all things commanded thee of God. Now, boy, that's an attitude, right? That's the kind of attitude you want, to get a group of people that are, want to hear all things that are commanded of God. That we could just put down the defenses, you know, and that we could uh, do away with what we think or uh, what religion has given to us, and tradition and man's ideas. We could kind of just erase the whiteboard and, and just say, okay, I'm, I'm going to sit down and I'm going to listen here to the Word of God. All things that are coming forth from His Word. And everybody said amen. amen. And so this is what happened when Peter went to Cornelius' house. And so... In verse 8 of Acts chapter 15, where we were at, And God, which knoweth the hearts, bear them witness, giving them the Holy Ghost, even as he did unto us. Now Peter said that because, in verse 6 he said, And the apostles and elders came together for to consider this matter. What matter? The, The Gentiles, the conversion of the Gentiles. All these Jewish men were like, what is this? What's going on? And so the scripture said that, when they had been much, when there had been much disputing, there was argument going on. Peter rose up and said unto them, Men and brethren, ye know how that a good while ago God made choice among us that the Gentiles by my mouth should hear the word of the gospel and believe. And God which knoweth the hearts 
bear them witness, giving them the Holy Ghost, even as he did unto us. The same thing took place, he's trying to say. And he put no difference between us and them, purifying their hearts by faith. Everybody said amen. All right. Now, therefore, why tempt ye God to put a yoke upon the neck of the disciples, which neither our fathers nor we were able to bear? What he's saying is you've been disputing much here, been arguing over this, and he's trying to tell them, basically, this is to everybody. This is for everybody. Every nation, every continent, you've heard me say that many times, every country, every language, every skin color, makes no difference. God is interested in everybody coming to the knowledge of the truth. He wants everybody to become a part of the body of Christ. And everybody said hallelujah. Everybody said amen. Well, give God a big hand. Now, we did read and we did teach you about, I hope you remember, with regards to the, uh, from the book of Romans, which with regards to the Jews and the Gentiles. And I had it on the board here for you and I talked to you about the early rain and the latter rain. And I talked to you how that God poured out His Spirit and in the very beginning, that was the beginning of the ingathering of the first fruits of the harvest that God from among the Jewish he brought in the 144,000 and that they are dead and in the grave and waiting for the first resurrection. And they, were, they received what they got, that is the Holy Ghost. They received that under the early rain. Okay, there was the early rain and there was the latter rain. And the early rain or the early outpouring of God's Holy Spirit. And that was among the Jewish people. But it didn't stay among the Jewish people. The, the rain cloud began to move. The, the Holy Ghost cloud began to move. And people uh, that were among the Jewish uh, were, were not understanding right away, originally. But after much disputing, and Paul, I mean Peter, stood up and he began to tell them how that God used him to go down to Cornelius' house and how that they received the Holy Ghost the same as we did. And he had six brethren with him that were witnesses to what took place because they didn't hardly have that experience. And the next day, here come the Jewish elders and they're right in Peter's grill and they're saying, hey, what is this? We heard that you went down to the Gentiles and you were teaching them what's going on. And so he said, well, me and these six brethren, we went by God's uh, direction and uh, they, God gave them the Holy Ghost even as he did unto us at the beginning. And so... Who was I to withstand God? Well, that's just it. If we, again, could get an attitude, two good attitudes we've seen here, right? One was that we're here to hear all things commanded thee of God. And the second one, who am I to withstand God? So nice when we quit fighting God, when we quit resisting God, when we quit trying to have our way, when we quit, quit trying to do our thing, and we somehow get so strong in our human spirit and our natural mind and our natural thinking that as one uh, wise man said, lest happily we be found to fight against God. Better to fight for God than to fight against God. Better to get with the flow, get in the program. Better to submit yourself and bring yourself to where you will do what God says, as Peter was told. Commanded all things, these people were here to command, hear all things commanded thee of God. And Peter had been commanded by God, don't you call anything unclean that I've cleansed. It's like, um, 
It's like sometimes you have to tell people you might want to remember who you're talking to. You know, who you're talking to. And but you know we live in a very disrespectful world, and uh, we've got to communicate. There are things that we must communicate to our children. Um, I was speaking to a uh, a father this morning, a dad, and he told me that he's he his son was playing a game, you know, and uh, while he was playing the game, the dad said to him, said, you know, said, um, have you read your Bible yet? And he said, no. And he said, well, you know, you're getting a little older now. And he said, before you do anything like that, he said, maybe you should put the spiritual thing first. And so read your Bible a little bit. So later on, he asked the boy, and, and uh, who is a teenager now? And he said, he said, yes, I did. He said, I didn't read two chapters. I read three. So that was good. He read one more than what he was directed to at least start. You can laugh, but, you know, if you could start and take those baby steps, you know, we watch Michael around here, and he, he starts taking those, those steps, and he's not quite got the balance yet, but, you know, he's getting there, and we're, we're holding on to him and guiding him a little bit. First news you know, he's got a step going, another step going, and, and that's wonderful. What I'm saying, you know, those baby steps are exciting. We take pictures and videos of that, and we're all happy about that. Okay, well, I'm saying spiritually speaking, you know, you can get all, what are you going to do, you know, and we really wish you'd just first take a couple of baby steps, you know. Don't bite off more than you can chew, so to speak. And um, so I'm saying to you that if we can hear what God has to say and if we can obey what God has to say, not fight against him, not resist him, but have the right attitude, then there is so much to do, so much to do. And in the 9th, 10th, and 11th chapter of the book of Romans, we spoke to you how that Paul said that he had such a tremendous burden and great heaviness, continual sorrow in his heart for the Jewish people. But he also made it clear uh, to them that there had come a time when they, they were not being obedient. They were not listening to the commandment of God. And they were showing a different attitude. They were showing a hardness of heart. And there was a resistance until finally he said, you know what? He said, your blood be upon your own head. I'm through with you. I'm going to the Gentiles now. And brother, they hated that. They got mad at that. They got, they got all upset. But the Bible said that when uh, Paul and, and some of the other brethren had come to a certain place and they began to uh, make that kind of statement that the Gentiles heard it and they were so happy to hear that somebody cares about us. Somebody cares about us, that God loves us. And he has sent the church to, to witness to us, to preach to us, to teach us. And so as the uh, men uh, like Saul, uh, Paul, uh, became in, involved in the work of God and began to outgrow their family, if you please, and begin to see beyond that, that there was a whole lot of, a whole sea of people out there. And, and the Bible said that when they gathered together that particular time, to uh, preach the word of God, that the whole city turned out to hear what they had to say, that there was great joy among the Gentiles. Well, that's kind of uh, similar terminology, what you hear when you read uh, the 8th chapter of the book of Acts, how that uh, Stephen went down to Samaria, and he preached Christ, Philip, I'm sorry, went down to Samaria, and he preached Christ unto them. And then in so doing, in God's spirit moving, the Bible said that city, those were non-Jewish people, that city was filled with joy. People get excited and happy and joyous when, the, when they're delivered from the devil. 
and when they are uh, chains fall off and they're free and they're happy and they're excited, people get excited about it. They get filled with joy. And the Bible said, the Bible said that the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. And Paul said, I say unto you, rejoice. And again, I say unto you, rejoice. This is not a sad sack salvation. This is a happiness. This is a joy. This is, I've been set free. I've been made free. The chains have fallen off. My mind is at liberty now. I'm no longer bound by things that destroy souls. Everybody said amen. Everybody said praise the Lord. Everybody said hallelujah. All right. So. As you look into the Word of God, I'm telling you that this, as I said earlier, this, this uh, cloud, this rain cloud had brought in the beginnings of the first fruits of the Jewish people. And having done that, then the Scripture teaches. We've got one over here, Brother Williams, right up here in front of uh, Franchette, I believe. Plenty of room on that row. That sweet little lady will move over a little bit and we'll slide them right in there. Good to have you folks here this morning. And uh, so... As this beautiful rain cloud came, a uh, spiritual rain cloud, this outpouring of God's Spirit on the Jewish, then uh, it began to move. And uh, as it began to move, they began to reach to the Jewish, uh, to the Gentile people, people that were not Jewish, people that didn't know God. And so uh, this is where you read in Romans, as we said, 9, 10, and 11, how that it's very important for you to realize that the Jewish, and it was clear, for they, being ignorant of God's righteousness and going about to establish their own righteousness, have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. That is chapter 10 and verse 3 of the book of Romans. And let me tell you, that's very important and very powerful because you need to realize that that can happen to anybody. Anybody. You can get very uh, trusting in your own ways. And the Bible declares it as, as an ignorance of God's righteousness. You don't know. God's right. You don't know what God is thinking and what God wants. And people, of course, don't always know what God wants. I certainly didn't grow up knowing what God wanted. I was lost as all get out. I wasn't always a preacher. And, um, but what a marvelous day when somebody brought me the knowledge of the righteousness of God. And, they, and I, I began to listen. That was another miracle, just the fact that I would even listen uh, because of the rebellion that was in my heart. But I listened to this individual, not originally. At first, I pushed them off, and I didn't want anything to do with it, you know. But then, uh, gradually, by, by heaven's glory, the grace of God began to deal with my heart. And I, I began to ask for the Bible, began to ask questions. I began to read the Bible, which was an amazing thing. And, uh, you know, turned off the TV, got rid of the TV, and began to uh, read God's Word, began to get involved in the things of the Holy Ghost. And God's Spirit, God's grace, God's love began to reach to my heart, even as he did to these people. And the Bible said, for Christ is the end of the law, for righteousness to everyone that believeth. And so it's important for you and I to realize that uh, there, there comes a time when certain things need to end, you know. And even something as good as the Old Testament law was, it came to a place of end. It was no longer going to be. God said, I've got a new covenant. You broke the old covenant. He said, now i got something new for you. And God's plan moved along. We were going to leave the, the uh, uh, blueprint stage, and we're going to go into the actual building stage. And so that's what took place. And as John the baptizer had come, and he preached the baptism of repentance for the remission of sins, people looked at him and said, art thou the Christ? And he said, I am not. He said, but he's coming. So he's coming after me. And I, he said, I'm not even worthy to stoop down and unloose his shoelace. 
He said, but I'm telling you, he's coming. He's going to baptize, I baptize you in water unto repentance, but he is going to baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. And, and he began to preach to them and teach them and get them prepared and get them ready. And that day came when John looked and saw Jesus the Christ coming over the hillside. And he began to tell them to look, behold, the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. And as they looked and beheld, Jesus came and set forth a good and righteous example. He said, I want you to baptize me, John. And John said, hey, I have need to be baptized of thee. And you come to me, and Jesus said, no, we're going to do it the right way. I'm going to be an example to everybody. Baptism isn't just some little ritual. Baptism is for the remission of sins, for the full pardon and forgiveness of sins, that they would be sent away and remembered no more. That's what your Bible says. That's what your Bible teaches. And you want to believe that good word of God. You want to hear all things that are commanded of God. Oh, yes. And so that's what took place. And as, as Jesus was baptized, the Scripture said he came straightway up out of the water. And lo, the heavens were opened unto him. And so he showed by example that we had to be born again off water, that is, baptized in water in the name of Jesus Christ, and that we had to be uh, filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost or born again of the Spirit. And Jesus said, you must be born again off water and of the Spirit or you cannot see or enter the kingdom of God. And so when you read many other ways that the, the scripture teaches you uh, about believing and uh, turning to the Lord, those are all wonderful things that come out of the Bible. But you better understand what that's saying, what that means. It's not uh, meant to be something generic to you or just something general. It's meant to be just a further description of what it means when you get baptized and when you get filled with the Holy Ghost after that you've repented. That's what it's trying to show you, that there are some biblical steps here. There is a plan of salvation here. There is that which everybody needs to do, and it's available to everybody. doesn't matter where you're from, what island or what country or what continent. It makes no difference what language or what shade of color. Uh, it, none of those things matter. What matters is for you to remember that you were given a general overall uh, insight when he said that God so loved the world or the Spirit so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son or the flesh that whosoever believeth on him should not perish but have everlasting life. So you've got to do what the Bible said. You've got to believe. How do I believe? You believe on him as the Scripture hath said. That's what your Bible said. You've got to believe in a very specific way, not a general way, not a made-up way, not a religious way, but a biblical way. Subject matter, chapter and verse. And you don't exclude things just because of a certain denomination. You, the Apostle Paul called it the Jews' religion. And he fought for it. He threw people in jail over it. But there came a day when he got the snot slapped out of him and laying straight down there in the desert sand in the hot burning sun and saying, Who art thou, Lord? And the Lord said, I'm Jesus. And you're fighting me. It is hard to fight me. Hard to fight me. One man said it this way. He said, uh, you might want to fight a battle that you can win. And... Uh, Fighting the Lord, you can't win that battle. You can't win that battle. No matter how you dress it up, no matter how much religion you put to it, uh, God knows your heart. And that's what he said. At what, that's what Peter said. God which knoweth the heart. And when God knows your heart, then God's going to either clean it up 
or he's going to fill you with his spirit, one or the other, okay? So you want to you get yourself in a position with God, and you talk to God, and he'll help you to, to, he'll grant to you repentance unto life. That's in your Bible, that's chapter and verse. That he would grant unto you repentance unto life. That's the beginning of repentance. You're believing what his word says, and it causes you to repent your faith in his word, the grace of God upon your life, the favor of God. And you get an opportunity of billions of people. You get the opportunity. You get chosen from among them. You get the opportunity to repent of your sins and to be baptized in water in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of all of you. Imagine that. Everything you ever said wrong, did wrong, acted wrong, every nasty, dirty thing, God said, I'm going to forgive you of it. I'm going to, and I'm further than that, I'm going to send it away, and it's going to be washed away, and it's not going to be remembered anymore. Isn't that wonderful? Now, people may remember, and the devil will certainly stir people up to remember bad things, but let me tell you something. People don't count. God counts. God counts. He's the one that counts. Amen. And if you want God to forget your dirt, then you get baptized in water in the name of God, and that name is Jesus Christ. And when you are baptized in that name, the blood is in that name. And your faith in that name is what's going to wash you clean. And everybody said hallelujah. Amen. And that taking place, then you can come up out of the waters and be born again of water. And then God will fill you with the gift of the Holy Ghost. We've had people receive the gift of the Holy Ghost coming right up out of the water. We've had others from that time on. Uh, it was all has to do with your heart. It all has to do with your heart hunger, that you truly want this free gift of the Holy Ghost, and you're willing to shut everything else out and off and concentrate on thanking God for a free gift. And he'll send forth his spirit into your heart, crying, Abba, Father, for by one spirit are you all baptized into one body. Jesus Christ built the church. He only built one, but he did it for everybody. Everybody. Remember, the church is not the church house, but the church is the body of believers. The body of believers. It is universal. It is everywhere. And he wants everybody everywhere to come into the church. Listen now as we move into uh, chapter 11 of the book of Romans. And uh, it said, What then? Israel hath not obtained that which he seeketh for, but the election hath obtained it, and the rest were blinded. As it is written, God hath given them the spirit of slumber. This is uh, Romans 11, and I'm at verse 8. Eyes that they should not see, and ears that they should not hear unto this day. And David saith, Let their table be made a snare, and a trap, and a stumbling block, and a, a payment or recompense unto them. Let their eyes be darkened, that they may not see, and bow down their back only. I say then, have they stumbled that they should fall? God forbid. But rather... Through their fall, salvation is come unto the Gentiles. All right? And so you begin to see that, that God arranged it in such a manner that the Jewish, uh, they were fixed in a corner of the market. And they were going to have a monopoly. And they were going to keep this to themselves. And God began to deal with Peter in prayer on a rooftop one day. And God woke Peter up to the fact that, don't you call common and unclean what I've cleansed gave Peter a very stern rebuke and a very stern warning and gave him very specific instructions and commandments 
that he, there was going to be three men knocking at the door, and even now they're doing that. And he said, you go with them, and you doubt nothing. And that God was saying, I got everything set. I've got everything arranged. You just get there and give them what I've given you to give them. Give them this salvation. They don't, they don't, they don't need a Super Bowl. They need a supernatural experience. They need the Holy Ghost. They need the power of God. They need the glory of God. They need what's going to set them free from sin. And, and the ravages of sin, the destruction of sin. Oh, yes. And so the Bible teaches, of course, that uh, as Peter was there at Cornelius' house and those people had an attitude of, we're here to hear all things commanded thee of God, that Peter realized that God was no respecter of persons, that God loves everybody, that God loves it. Not just one group, God loves everybody, everybody. And so... Scripture said that Peter, it taught us that Peter uh, preached a 217-word sermon. That probably took three to four minutes. And while Peter yet spake these words, the Bible said the Holy Ghost fell on all them which heard the word. It's so good to come to church and hear the word. We don't have commentary for you. We, we don't have tradition for you. We have the word of God for you. And we don't have the word of God uh, for you that's going to be just something to, uh, shall I say, generic, and just something that you can get a little bit happy over. No, we want to get right down on specifics here. We want to teach you what the Bible teaches about salvation. We want you to have this born-again experience. We want you to repent of your sins. We want you, and we want to baptize you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And God will then give you, according to His promise, He will give you the free gift of the Holy Ghost. How great a beautiful plan of salvation this is, and that's what took place while Peter yet spake these words. The Holy Ghost fell on all them which heard the word. They were paying attention. They weren't thinking about after church. They weren't thinking about tomorrow, and the devil will certainly confuse and tie up your mind with those things. But if you will shut those things out and let God and let your mind for just a few minutes uh, get on the word of God and believe it, believe it, believe what it's saying, and then you too can have this great, oh so great salvation. And while these Jewish brethren got a little bit huffy and got a little bit proud and got a little bit stubborn and they begin to withdraw and they wanted to, in doing that, you know, when you start backing up from what God says, then you're going to find out that it's going to be a, a <laughs> I hate to say, it's going to be like that old septic tank or that sewer line when it backs up. It's going to get mighty nasty. And that's what happens to people's lives when they start backing up on God, when they start resisting God, when they're not listening to God, when they're not being obedient to God, when they set about, as it said about the Jewish, that they went about to establish their own righteousness. And God's word said, your righteousness is as filthy rags. It's smelly and it's filthy and it's nasty. And, and, and I'm trying to tell you that you want to move on with God's plan. And, but these people tried to go backwards and they tried to uh, go back under the law. And they're still doing that very much today. And here we are almost 2,000 years down the road. Somebody, I asked a, a Jewish man not too long ago, I said, what is wrong with the Jewish people? The decisions that they're making, the directions that they're going. And he's an older man. He's about 70 or 75, right in there. And he's fighting Parkinson's disease, you know, and his head shakes a little bit. And he said, he said they're stupid. Well, he can say that. I can't say that. But that's what he said of his own people. And... Um, it's important that we uh, not find ourselves being ignorant 
being lacking in knowledge when God can deprive us of her. He can take away our ignorance. He can educate us. He can, they, they have a phrase they're using a lot now. It's called low information people. Uh, I want us to be high information people. I want you to have a knowledge of God's salvation. I want you to know the truth that's contained within the word. I don't want you to be caught up with little phrases and little catchphrases and little, uh, little religious ways and little traditions of men that just uh, put you in a position where it increases ignorance. It doesn't increase an education. It doesn't increase a knowledge. God wants to give us a knowledge here of his salvation. He, and along with that comes a hope. And to be in this world with God and with hope is a beautiful thing, let me tell you. Because we're living with a lot of people that are in this world without hope and without God because they're not listening, because they're not paying attention, because they're not showing that attitude that I want to hear all things that are commanded of God. I don't want to fight against God. I want to fight for God. I want to be on God's side. I don't want to be backing up here. I don't want to go backwards and go back to the old things and the old ways and how I used to do things. I don't want to go back to bad temper. I don't want to go back to drugs. I don't want to go back to alcohol. I don't want to go back to catting around town and running with every kind of uh, woman or every kind of man. I don't want to do that. I, I'm so glad to be delivered, and God delivers people from those things. God changes lives full of good. God gives you a, a deliverance from your, your nasty nature. And he enables you to become a partaker of his divine nature. And he makes a beautiful, abundant entrance into the kingdom of God for you. It's not something that you have to squeak into. He makes an abundant entrance. He makes it big and he makes it wide. And he's inviting you to come on in. He's knocking at the door and saying, if you'll open your heart's door, I will come in and I will bring you in to my great salvation. And so... This fall of the Jewish, this diminishing, it went on to say, now if the fall of them be the riches of the world and the diminishing of them the riches of the Gentiles, how much more their fullness. So he held out an optimism here that there would come a time when the Jews would be remembered. But right now, we're still living in the time that would be known as the time of the Gentiles. That the, the early rain cloud that hit the Jewish nation and uh, at least 144,000 of them and more had come into the body of Christ through this born-again experience. Everywhere the church went, it preached repentance, water baptism in the name of Jesus Christ, and the infilling or the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Everywhere they went, that's what they brought. That same pattern over and over and over again. No matter how they would describe it or make reference to it, uh, that was what they preached and what they taught and what people received. Jesus said, receive ye the Holy Ghost. And so that took place. But then as the Jewish begin to uh, put their toes in the sand and, and family and friends and, and tradition begin to rise up and they begin to look backwards and that shows you what took place in the Old Testament, how when God brought them out of Egypt and with a an high arm, the scripture said, with great authority, he brought them out. By a prophet, he preserved them. And as he did so, they went through the Red Sea, and then the enemy was destroyed, which was a shadow and a type of all of your sins that is taken care of in water baptism. And they came out on the other side, and they began to go towards the promised land, where everything good had been provided for by God. And I'm telling you, everything good and everything you need is in the church. It is in the body of Christ. Uh, it's like one man that 
Got out of jail, and what did he do? He went to the bar. Well, what a very stupid thing to do, wasn't it? Wrong place to go. A resumption of the wrong patterns and being in the wrong places. And sure enough, while he was in the bar, he told me this himself, he, um, he saw a man, two men get into a fight, and he got up to separate the two men, and uh, he took more or less took one man's side, and, and the other man that he was fighting <laughs> was an undercover cop. And, uh, and so he got arrested, he got busted, he got broken parole, and he's right back in the slammer again. And he began to lose his mental health. And um, finally he got out, and, and he... His daughter came to me, and she, I was praying here one night all by myself, and she came in, the back door was open, and, and, she, and she, she came in and she said, my, my father needs help. And she said, he's, he's, he's losing his mind. And she said, he's troubled, and, and I, I want you to pray for him. I want you to help him. So I told her to tell him to come see me and, and that I would pray for him. And so he came. He came. We lived in a trailer right here, uh, five of us right up behind the, the church. And um, when he came, he, uh, he chain-smoked one, one cigarette after another, just filled the trailer with all kinds of, the wrong kind of cloud. It wasn't the cloud I was living under. <laughs> and he was clouding my cloud. And, uh, but uh, he was lost, and he was in bad shape, and he was just being driven by devils. And, he, and for two hours, I listened to this guy. And when he started to repeat himself, I wasn't going for the second two hours. So I just stopped him. And I said, all right. I said, I heard every word you said. And I said, now... I said, I'm going to tell you. He looked at me, and I said, I'm going to pray for you. And I said, God's going to deliver you from the spirits that are attacking you. And uh, I said, you just need to have faith in that. And so he, he put out the cigarette. I laid hands on him. I prayed for him. And uh, he left. And it um, wasn't but a couple of days later, his daughter came back by. And she was a grown woman. You know, she was in her 20s. She came back by and she said, you know my dad and you prayed for him? I said, yeah. He said, well, he got better. And I said, well, that's the way it's supposed to work. <laughs> that's what's supposed to take place. That's what's supposed to happen. And I said, I'm very glad to hear that. But you know what? Some people don't follow up. They don't stay. They don't work with the church and God's program. And then they'll spend the rest of their lives bragging about how God healed their little pinky or how God did this for them or God did that. And I'm so glad God did that. But, but that, that isn't salvation. Okay, salvation is you repent. And you get baptized in Jesus' name and God gives you the gift of the Holy Ghost. That is salvation according to the Word of God. All right? And I'm glad for every good thing that God does, but your Bible said that the goodness of God leads you to repentance. Leads you to water baptism in Jesus' name. It leads you to receiving the gift of the Holy Ghost. Okay? It's designed to lead you to that. God's reaching out. God's saying, I want to help you. In one place, he said, all day long, again, figuratively, I've stretched out my arms. And, and you know, you've got to come here. And he did say uh, about, come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. He said, my burden is light, or my yoke is light, my burden is easy. So you can, you can get this now. You can have this salvation. You can have this truth. If you'll just, so to speak, sit up mentally, and take notice of what God is doing. We're living in a very dangerous time. The Bible said when sailing was now dangerous, and we are living in that time. It is a dangerous time. It is a perilous time. And I said, uh, the Scripture said, it is a time when men's hearts are going to fail them. And listen, if it starts failing here, it's going to fail in your natural heart. And people are going to have heart disease and have heart attacks more and more. And earthquakes are going to be all over the earth in diverse places. Terrible, terrible things are going 
to happen in this earth. And uh, our economy right now in the country we live in is in a great depression, in a great shakeup, and it's headed in the wrong, wrong way. They claim that France has declared bankruptcy. They claim that Greece is bankrupt. These are things that are taking place all over the earth, and I'm telling you, the enemy is setting the stage, and there are people, much like Pharaoh, who are, who are being led by the wrong spirit and are being used by the wrong spirit, and they live for this life. Jesus said, if my kingdom was of this world, he said, then would my servants fight. He said, but my kingdom is not of this world, but of the world to come. And they that will be accounted worthy of that kingdom to come, my friend, are going to be they that are baptized in Jesus' name and filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost. Going to be they that are not only worthy but are re and counted as such, but are recounted as worthy. There will be a recount. You've got to stay with this. You've got to run this race. And it's a race you've got to run with patience. It's not a sprint. It's a long distance race here. You've got to get in this thing. You've got to put your flesh under subjection. You've got to listen to the great voice of God and let it be preached to your heart and realize that this is not something that's just for a day or a week or a month. This is a life. And it is designed to be eternal life. Okay? Eternal life. So, there was a diminishing. There was a fall of, when people talk about, oh, there's a great falling away coming. That's not what your Bible teaches. Okay? The fall was built around the Jewish. And then the diminishing of them. And, uh, but it all came about to bring the riches of the Gentiles. The cloud moved from the Jewish. And the rain cloud, the Holy Ghost rain cloud, began to move over the Gentile nations. And as the Gentile nations have basked in the, in the refreshing of God's outpouring of His Spirit, then the cloud continues moving until it will return to the Jewish people. And we have watched since 1948, uh, through the history and through the eyes of the Scripture, how that the Jewish were brought back to Israel and a nation was formed and how that God is doing a short work, and how that he spoke in Ezekiel uh, 38, and that 36 through 38, how he spoke to the land, to the mountains, to the rivers, and began to get them ready for his people were at, were at hand to come. And that's happened. And we've seen the Nagib Desert bl blossom as a rose. And we've seen all the production and the things that has come out of Israel. And now we're watching as the whole world is beginning to surround all nations are beginning to surround Israel. And I'm going to tell you, it's going to be a very telltale Bible sign when this country goes against Israel and joins with the others. I'm telling you, you better get on your knees and you better talk to God and you better help Him to ask you to, to be ready to go in the first resurrection because it's going to take place. It's going to happen. But there's going to be some shakeup that's going to take place before that first resurrection. There's going to be Tribulation, hard times, sorrow, adversity, it's going to happen. Wars and rumors of wars, earthquakes, all kinds of things that this world is going to be shaken and undergo. But you can be in the body of Christ. And the Bible teaches that you can be a part of that which cannot be shaken, that which cannot be moved. You can be a part of that which is steadfast, sure, unmovable, and always growing and abounding in the things of God, and that where sin doth abound, grace 
doth much more abound. And that God can take care of His church. God will take care of His people, even as He did in the land of Egypt. He put them in Goshen, and He protected them. There was no plagues in Goshen. There was light and no darkness. God took care of everything. I don't know what kind of bug repellent God used in Goshen, but there was no frogs, my friend. There was no flies, my friend. There was none of that junk going on. God took care of His people. And God knows how to take care of His people. And you can think it, you can think it, uh, you know, silly, but it just depends on your need. You know, I at one time had four ingrown toenails, either side of my big toes, and uh, I couldn't hardly walk. And that cause, and I, I've told God that I told people that God healed me. I don't have them, and I haven't had them for many years now. And uh, you could say, ah, oh, that ain't nothing. Well, it ain't nothing to you, but see, I'm the one that had them. So it was a whole lot to me. It was a whole lot to me. And I've, I've, uh, I've heard of uh, people back in the day when uh, our society was more built around farming. And one dear sister that had the Holy Ghost was baptized in Jesus' name and living for God. And, and they were trying to get through some tough times on, her, on their little piece of land and where they would put their crops in and that's what they ate from. And she said that they got an infestation of a certain kind of worms. And those worms came in, and they uh, were, it was like a plague of worms. And they were eating all of their plants, all of their good collard greens and things of that nature. And, uh, and she said she got down and she prayed. And she said, God, she said, we're not going to make it. We're not going to have anything to eat. We need you to, to get rid of these worms. And God did. God did. All the worms went away. And all the crop came up, and they reaped their harvest, and the family ate. Well, you know, there's just so many wonderful things that God can do, and some of them can seem to some people small and insignificant. But again, that's because maybe it wasn't their problem. But the people that are in the storm, the people that are going through the difficulties, they, they're going to appreciate, I trust, what God did for them. And I'm saying, no matter how the enemy will try to belittle a thing, no matter how he'll try to make it seem as nothing, you might want to remember that God did that for you and that it was a big thing to you. And when you get baptized in Jesus' name and you get filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost and you no longer are slaves, you no longer are ruled by the devil, you no longer are in his control, but you have truly been made free. And friend, you don't have to let anybody belittle that. You don't have to listen to anybody who wants to put that down and make fun of you. You hear me when I tell you, you've got something greater to rejoice over than a football game. You've got something greater to rejoice over than the things of this world. You have the truth of God, the salvation of God, the power of God, the glory of God. Amen and amen and amen. Give God a big hand. Come on. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. All right. Sorry. We're going to sing and worship the Lord here a minute. And I want you to open your heart to God. Let Him talk to you this morning. He's a great God. He's here this morning. He wants to give you the gift of the Holy Ghost. He wants you to be baptized in His precious name. He wants to forgive you. He's ready to pardon. God is, is ready. 
You know, he's ready to pardon. I saw a young man one day at Brother Colbert's, probably one of his grandsons, and uh, I had pulled up for some reason, and, and I heard the young man say, I'm hungry. He said, I'm fixing to get my eat on. You know, he was just going to eat, you know. Well, I'd like you to feel that way about the Holy Ghost. I'd like you to feel that way about the salvation of God. And I want you to know that God feels that way. God is anxious. He's standing at the door, and he's knocking the door of your heart. And he's wanting you to open that door. He's wanting to come in, friend. He's wanting to give you the gift of his spirit. He's wanting to forgive you of all of your sins. He's ready to pardon. That's what the book says. He's ready to pardon. God's ready. How about you? Let's take a moment. Sing and worship. Lift your heart with your hands. I love you, Jesus. I praise you, mighty God. Come on, Lord. I thank you. 